you can hear this cheeky chappy, it is Jordan Smith, the swing of a genius. What a swing it is. And it's a filthy lip out. It's episode, God knows whatever it is. There's so many we've done. We're absolutely loving it, me and Kit Alexander. And we've got Jordan Smith, everybody, European tour winner, Porsche European Open. I was there for it. It was amazing. Jordan, nice to have you on the podcast, my friend. Perfect. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for having me. Nice introduction, no? That's all right, mate. You have got a swing of dreams, mind, to be honest. I mean, I, that was going to be my first question. I mean, uh, how do you rate your own swing when it comes to golf? Come on, mate. Um, I've, well, I've been told it's got like a nice nice rhythm to it. It needs a bit of work at the moment. Um, it's not helping with lockdown, not being able to hit too many balls. But um, no, me, me, me and Shanks here still, still working hard on things, even though it's been, geez, what was it? 15 years together? now I think plus so wow really yeah there's, there's always there's always things that we're working on for sure yeah oh, no doubt about it I know Kit's itching to give you some lines mate what itching what is it that you're working on at the moment then go on let us into the, the secret uh, um, I've, I've got I've got this bad habit of where I sort of whip whip the club a little bit inside and get a little bit laid off at the top so that's, that's my bad habit and then from there it's a bit bit disjointed on the way down so um yeah, it's just it's just sort, sorting that out, and then we'll, we'll be flying. Shanksy must have been working with you basically since you started playing, then, because you picked up a yeah. when you were what sort of twelve years old. You started playing? yeah, twelve, twelve, thirteen. Yeah, I, I used to go up to the the golf club Bowood, um, do like a few junior things, and then Shanksy uh, joined the club and came one of the pros, and then um, I was in sort of a bit of county stuff, and he was like, you need sort of one coach rather than county coach and Simon, so. Went with Simon and it and it all started from there really. So um yeah, it's been been a good good fifteen odd years. Well mate, I love county golf, right? And when you re- reflect, I mean good you're fun. on the pro scene now, mate, on the top top uh, top tour, but when you reflect and you look back at the good old days when you look at county golf and all the match play, how much do you just reminisce and think, Oh, they were it was, it was it was great fun, especially like Southwest Week and stuff where you get the um oh. the Southwest counties together for for a whole week. It used to be brutal, it was like thirty six holes oh. for six days on the spin and you were just battered by the end of it but um it used to be such a good laugh such a good laugh and you didn't play like pitch and putts we were playing no. seriously brutal golf courses like you would play burnham traverse you know Thornton, anywhere, that sort of you thing. Know. oh mate it was unbelievable so, so you'd have the weather battering you as well let alone um walking 36 holes for six days on the spin oh it's always know, sunny but... down in the west country though never rains <laughs> sunshine Different climate down there. He's not down there anymore, Kit. He's no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm in sunny sorry now. Sunny sorry. So, so you've you've done what Laurie? Ca- well, or you were the forerunner before what Laurie's done, basically. Where you? Yeah, he, you're like he, Wesley Way now, right? Yeah, no, he he, he copied me. Yeah. yeah, you were the trendsetter there. <laughs> yeah, no, we we moved um, start of last year um, and then joined the Wesley. Um, and then, yeah, Laurie, Laurie followed, but now he's uh, gone one up and joined Queenwood now because he's got a bit of money in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Has he changed? Has he changed? He's, he's changed. He's changed. <laughs> he's been getting a lot of stick off the Wizzy boys, I know that. He must be getting a lot of stick with the Bath Rugby as well, poor man. I mean, Crystal's got the upper hand at the moment. Are you a Bath Rugby fan as well, Bert? I mean, I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but... Um, Obviously, if they're on, I, I follow them. I'm, I'm 
I quite enjoy watching like Six Nations and World Cup and stuff like that. So not not really club stuff, but obviously if they're, if they're on, I'm always always supporting Bar for sure. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Well, I'm a Bears fan. Switch to the Wisley helped you golfing wise because obviously there's a really good group of, of European yeah. and top pros there. Is yeah, that- no, it, it was it was it was one of the one of the main reasons we moved. Sort of the 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 sort of golf clubs that are down in Surrey. You've got sort of such a great selection, and um, obviously now we're only like 15 minutes from Terminal Five rather than an hour and a half. So that's that's cutting down travel time as well. But no, you've got like James Morrison, uh, Blandy, Ross Fisher, uh, Justin Harden, and a few other guys. So there's, there's always a good good sort of group group of guys up there, and um, Ollie Wilson obviously and. Yeah, no, you've, you've always got a good game. Sort of like when I first joined, we'd go out and have a few money games and sort of get a comp- competitive juices flow and stuff. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been good at that. I really enjoyed it. Because you get to learn quite a lot. Because I remember when I moved to Miami, I didn't I didn't have anyone to play with. You know, yeah. no one. You know, I was on my own. I was playing with, no disrespect, but I was playing with 10, 5, 10, 15 handicappers that were good, mm-hmm. lovely people, absolutely can't knock it, but I should have gone up to Jupiter Orlando and started uh, beating some heads with the top boys, you know, because it keeps you sharp, doesn't it? And you learn yeah. a lot. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you 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 get into sort of having having those battles on the course, even if it's only for like 20, 20 quid or something like that, but it's um, it's good good to have a group of lads up there that you can always sort of have a game with. And, and, the, and the golf course out there is great, like the condition of it, sort of hitting surfaces on the range and like news mowing balls and the guys pick them up, put them back in the practice bag, and I got them there for next time. And it's always in great nick as well. So um, yeah, no, they've been they've been really good to me so far. So it's been great. I know I was gonna I was gonna quickly ask you in your back garden, man. You got a bit of a putting green, rocking a putting green and stuff like that. I mean, is that getting seriously worn out at the moment? Well, unfortunately, that was at the old house. Oh, was it? Oh, I'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm behind the times, aren't I? So, so I've got a I've got a tiny net there that's falling down and getting covered in rain and leaves at the moment. So um, no, but l- luckily, luckily enough, um, a few. Well, I'm I'm able. The, the pro is able to go up to the Wisley and, and hit balls and stuff. So um, the board nice. have have said that's all right as as it's our like working place and our job and stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, no, they've been great. Nice. Good Who's man. got the best sort of chat and banter if you're playing those money games? Who likes to really try and get in your ear? Glory. <laughs> Got me. Um yeah, yeah. obviously I play a lot with, with Laurie. Um but although although Jim Jimbo's got he's got the uh the experience so he gives it the uh the old gift of the gab and tries to put us off and everything. But no, it's 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 between those two for sure. Awesome. I, I wanna take you back a few years because uh, yep. John and I know you from back twenty fifteen, the Euro Pro yep. age, you sprung on it. Walker Cupper, so you came in with the big reputation. Um, <laughs> you do a couple of events to get going. I remember talking to you at that event that you won, the PBC Open, that I think you'd missed a couple of cuts in your first two or three starts. And then you obviously found your feet, got that win and kicked on from there. But what was that like for you? Because obviously coming from a Walker Cup and winning mm-hmm. the trophy, being one of the top amateurs in the country, you might not have expected to kind of have to start on the third tier. What was it like coming into the pro game? Well, yeah, obviously, obviously, I went to I did a few tour schools before um, Euro Pro. So I went and did Asian Q school, Sunshine Q school, and obviously European Q school just to get a bit of experience. Um, I didn't make any of them, obviously, but obviously it was just a great, great learning curve and sort of traveling the world and experiencing sort of 
kind of the pro life um, and then obviously came on to Euro Pro and I think it was a godsend to be honest because I think for a lot of guys they, they burst onto the scene they go straight onto the European tour and it's just you just hit with a big wave of, of the pro life and you see a lot of guys some of them some of them sort of progress from that and, and thrive on it but others they, they really struggle and end up going back down to tour school and then end up not making tour school and then don't have anything so um, it was it was a godsend for me I think it worked out brilliantly for me obviously I was on Euro Pro for a year and it was another learning curve and um, got in, got used to seeing cameras and playing for quite a bit of money and playing week in week out living out the back of your car and sort of travel lodges and premier inns and stuff like that so no it, it was great and then obviously went on to on to challenge and did the same there so it's I think for a lot of guys that have worked their way up they've sort of stayed up on the European tour sort of like I see Tyrrell Hatton now he's sort of top five in the world and he's obviously worked his way up um, so I think it's a great great sort of um, process for, for a lot of guys I, I mean that final round at Desert Springs I was going to say Jordan I mean you're so in the zone yeah. tell, tell us what it's like getting in that zone and I mean you've gone on there and you've won on the European Tour and what it's like getting in that zone and what's the feelings like what comes over you when you know you, it's all going your way um, you, it's, it's, it's strange you don't really you don't really think about anything it's like it's all it's all taking care of itself you, you're just going through your process you're not really thinking about what your swing's doing where the ball's going you just know that it's all going correctly um, you never second yeah. guess yourself do you no no exactly you're always just in, in the moment just going for it and yeah not never never second guessing yourself and not getting too um, too disheartened if, if say you bogey hole and anything like because you know you've made plenty of birdies coming up to this point so you just carry on and, and keep doing what, what you're doing and yeah so it's a good feeling yeah it is it is man that 2015 class off the Euro Pro I mean there was obviously you you beat Aaron Rye in the playoff at Desert Springs at the Tour Championship but he also got promoted uh, yeah you because of it obviously he's now a European Tour Rolex winner Mark mm. Armitage was in that top five that went yeah of course and Laurie Panter, although he ended up going up through Q School, he was one of the runners-up when you won mm. the BC Open. How much is it nice to kind of go up with those guys? Because as you say, if you just make it straight on to the main tour sometimes, you know, you, you don't have the sort of pe people you came through yeah. with. It can all feel very different very quickly. Is there a lot to be said for the familiarity of seeing faces that you're used to on the range when you get to a challenge tour event or a European tour event and then when you start playing because you've played all the way through with these guys? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a benefit, obviously. You, 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 you do a lot of socialising, you do a lot of playing practice rounds with, with people and on the same flight, same hotel. So obviously you need, you need that sort of um, friendship circle and it's nice seeing faces that you've seen before and Lucky enough, I was in sort of the England squad, so a few of those, a lot of those lads were on tour as well. And um, yeah, you, you definitely need a few friends there because it, it can be quite lonely. And if if you don't have a lot, lot of lot of friends, it's it's hard in the in the evenings with going out for dinner or by yourself. And yeah, you just need those those friends around you to to spur things on, and and then you can have a bit of fun while while you're um, out traveling as well. When you got onto the Challenge Tour, obviously mm. it didn't take too much adjusting because you won twice, you had two yeah, yeah. third-place finish and, and won the Order of Merit in your first season. But did it feel different or was it just simply a continuation of what you'd done in your first year as a pro on the Euro Pro? 
it, it was a bit of both. It was it was definitely a continuation of of how I was playing and how I was how I was feeling. Um, but obviously, there was a big change in going to different countries like Egypt. You know, I'd never thought playing on Euro Pro that I'd be going to Egypt to play a, a Challenge Tour event and um, sort of Kenya and all the other places. So it's definitely um, a, a massive step up and, and the prize money is quite a big difference as well. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just carrying on the same sort of mindset and the same performances from, from Euro Pro, which was lucky enough. And yeah, like you said, I won my second event on Challenge Tour. So that got me off to a, a perfect start, really. Yeah. And then a fast start when you got on the European Tour the next season, because your <laughs> yeah. start as a as a full member was the South African mm. Open. Sunday, you're there in the final group with Graham Storm and a certain Rory McIlroy as well. Take mm. that. You must at this point be thinking, this professional golf, it, it's a piece of this. This is easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I wasn't quite thinking that. I was just thinking that with with each stage that I got out, that I'd, I'd I'd got the game to sort of compete with those guys. And yeah, that that week was mental. Though. It was absolutely mental. There must have been half of South Africa that turned out. It was incredible, especially with like Rory being there, just going on that first tee, and it's actually lined all the way down, and then come up the 18th as well. There was sort of 30, 40 deep running up behind you up to the green, and. Yeah, it was it was incredible, and yeah, it was just nice again to get off to another another good sort of hot start on on the um, European Tour on my first season. So, what did you learn from that experience being in the final group? Because you, you played a really good account of yourself, ended up finishing third, I believe. Um, yeah, Storm, of course, won it, beat Rory. Yeah, but that learning curve must have been incredible. You must have taken so much away from that week. Yeah, I think I think that was a big big confidence booster with me because obviously I was new on to European tour and I had had many starts up to that point so it was just a big confidence booster going into the rest of the year um, that I could compete I could win and obviously later, later down that year I, I ended up doing so and it was just a massive massive confidence booster for me. Yeah, I think Thomas Bjorn was watching you with eagle eyes, mate, ready for the Ryder Cup, thinking, is this man going to be, uh, have I got to give him an automatic pick at some station? <laughs> some great form. Yeah, no, that was, um, he, I remember in Italy, I played with him. Uh, we played, played together that, that year and we had a sort of a good conversation afterwards. And he's, he's I've got, I've, over the years, I've got to know him more and more and he's, he's a great guy, but that conversation was scary. He, he scares the <laughs> living shit out of me, but no, he was, he was great. Um, he was just sort of give, giving me a big sort of confidence booster and telling me what I, I sort of needed to improve to maybe get onto European, uh, the Ryder Cup team, sorry. And um, yeah, no, it was just great to have that conversation on my, on my first year. Did that, did that put, well, I'd imagine it must put a little bit of extra pressure on you, mate, when you when you have that chat, because obviously it's all our dreams, isn't it? You know, you want to yeah. play a Ryder Cup. Yeah, no, obviously that is that is everyone's dream. And um, unfortunately it didn't happen that year, but obviously you, yeah. never know, you never know down the line. So, um, exactly. yeah, it was it was a great track just to have and to be thought about in, in that sort of team was, was great. What did he tell you and what was so scary about that chat? He 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 was just saying about obviously my, my swing, he was just saying don't don't change anything in swing, just keep keep hitting that hitting, but just really concentrate on my on my putting, which um has always been sort of my, my sort of weakest point. And that's what I've changed this year, gone and gone and seen the putting coach that I 
taken on full time. So hopefully, um, hopefully things will, will progress. Talking about online putts, what about when you were mic'd up uh, on the golf course? <laughs> Come on, tell us all about that man. He's a legend, isn't he? He he was playing up to the cameras. He knew they were there. <laughs> yeah. He, he he wanted his five minutes of fame, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's it's just typical him. Like, he's he's a great guy, and unfortunately, we're not together now. Um, so that yeah. that finished that finished the start of this year, but. Um, he's still the best man and, and stuff like that. We're still best mates, and but um, no, that was that was hilarious. No, he he, he loved every minute of it. I bet he did, mate. He was I too cool with the cameras on him. I think for for a cad- yeah. caddy, that was he was too good at it. I think too. Nat- yeah, yeah, no, and obviously he's, he's with Marcus Armstrong now, so I'd love to see those two mic'd up. Yeah. Oh, oh my god! Oh, really? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's that would amazing. Be. That would be incredible. I think you'd have to probably get the uh, the bleeper out quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, you'd want a slight delay on that going out, wouldn't you? you yeah. Well, l- luckily enough, when 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 they asked us to do it, they said obviously there's a, there's a delay, and if you do get caught swearing, there's no fines. So I was like, well, I'm here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you were one of the first when they were starting to mic up the players and the caddies during a round that were willing to do it. Why were you? Open. Lots of players that weren't. Yeah, no, I, I got asked the week before actually. I think it was, I can't remember what day. I think it was on the Saturday of the week before, and I was just like, look, if if, I, if I'm going to do it, I'd like to do it on like a Thursday or a Friday. Um, and then they they asked us to do it at Kelsey one of the week the week next week on the Friday. So I was like, yeah, I, I don't mind doing it. Um, and then I think Laurie actually said to me that I was the first one that had been mic'd up to shoot under par because everyone had just lost it and just shot like millions over par so um but no it, it was good fun I obviously I had to watch myself with um with what I was saying and there was there was a guy that was following us all the way around for, for the whole whole round and he was listening to everything even like when we went to the toilet and stuff like that so he must have heard all sorts of crap um and I literally. think he, yeah literally and he and he had the, the button to sort of um I think mute it or like bleep it just in case so he was the guy that listened to everything and press the button just in case thanks how'd you get cool. i'd love to be like the the chief bleeper yeah bleep out or cut out at any time what you <laughs> <laughs> so so good. a few changes in the team this year then obviously with the new caddy and the new putting coach who have you got on the bag who have you got who are you working with on the putting and, and what are they bringing to the team so my, my new caddy is um mick Doran, so he's quite a, a legend mm. and i think he's a uh, He's a great, great um, asset to the team now because obviously it was great with Harry. We had a great four or five years, um, but sometimes you just need you need to change for for the better. And I think the guy I was looking for was someone with with experience. And obviously he was previously with Eddie, and then they they broke up. And I was like, well, this is this is the perfect opportunity. So I approached him, and and um, he he had a little think about it, and then said, yeah, I'd like to do it. So um, that was great that that he. He was willing to do that because obviously he's been around for thirty odd years and won thirty plus times and a few Ryder Cups, few majors. So um, yeah, no, the first the first three weeks um, in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Saudi were, were great. I, I could see a straight difference. I didn't I didn't play the best, but I could see see a big difference with how he is and his experience and stuff. So it's, it's great to have him. You got a busy schedule coming up, uh, Jordan. Got a busy one. I, um, I'm, I'm going out to Qatar. Are you heading that way? 
Yeah, so I'm going to do all three because I'm a bit uncertain about sort of Portugal and Spain. I don't, I don't think they're going to go ahead. So I'm going to get the tournaments in that I can and then see, see, um, see down the line. So yeah, it'd be interesting to go back to Kenya for because the last time I was there was Challenge Tour. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see it. Yeah, definitely. Just on the putting coach, who who is it that's come in there for you? Um, a guy called Matt James. So he he works with Steve Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. And and Ross Fisher. So he's he's kind of locally based and I came back from I think it might have been the DP no it was in between the two in Dubai and, and the event before I came back and Steve Brown said oh, I'm going to see a putting guy do you fancy just coming down and, and having a look so I, I went down for a couple hours and really really was really impressed with, with what I had to say and it was something it was a new fresh set of eyes on, on, on my putting stroke so um, yeah so I decided to take him on so he's working with me me Steve Brown and, and Ross Fisher so it's great to have him um, him on board as well awesome. nice. John you know firsthand what it's like to do what Jordan's done and make that step up from the Euro Pro to the Challenge Tour and to the European and the PGA Tour for you having experienced that yourself how impressed are you by how you've seen Jordan make that transition well, I think Jordan's done it right. And, I, you know, in a sense of come up through the levels, mine was a bit sudden and I was like a rabbit in the headlights, you know, all of a sudden just bang, I'm straight there, you know, and I'm, you know, on the, you know, on the PGA Tour. And yeah, I really and honestly didn't have time to think and really just uh, probably a little bit too, got a bit too big for my boots too soon. Didn't believe myself into it, uh, you know, like uh, Jordan did and I think, you know, I was a bit of a handsy player and a bit, you know, bit of a maverick at the game. But, you know, Jordan's got a, a beautiful golf swing that which I, you know, I pay an absolute fortune for, you know, because honestly, it would, uh, you know, it would yeah, make me millions <laughs> but, um, and get me winning. But it's, um, I think he's done it right and he's only going to get better now because of that. I think that's the, the best thing about it. You know, if you... I mean, I, I started Jordan when I was six years old and you started when you were 12 mm. or 13. So really, and honestly, you're quite a late developer in, in the whole scheme of like when you look at like the Rory's and the Tigers and, you know, anything like that. You know, they start when they're, you know, just about to walk. Um, but it's uh, it's brilliant, mate. And I think obviously what I've seen with Jordan over the years, just his mentality and everything and patience. I think it, you know, patience, patience will prevail in the end, wouldn't it, mate? Exactly that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You got that European tour win, of course, in 2017 at the Porsche European Open, as John's already said. Mm-hmm. What was going through your mind when you hold the winning part there? To be honest, I can't tell you. Honestly, I was... I was, at, I was nervous. I was at the back of the green and I was nervous that I had to give the winning interview. <laughs> yeah, no, I was... I, I honestly can't tell you what I, I was thinking. I, 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 I vaguely remember just telling myself, look, I've held this six five footer hundreds of times to just go ahead and, and do it but apart from that I honestly can't tell you it was all, all a bit of a blur but it was it was some some experience that's for sure it was it was great sort of leading it from Thursday to Sunday and then obviously getting into the playoff and and getting it done so yeah I can't I can't tell you unfortunately <laughs> I tell you what it's some beastie golf course that though isn't it how long is that and it and Whoa. it was seriously wet as well yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was just stopping dead, wasn't it? It was full, full tilt. I think it was like it must have been seven and a half thousand yards. Must have been. And it was all on the flight, no run. Yeah, because they Crazy. had. I think they had two or three. I mean, I mean, three of the par fives over six hundred. So. Yeah, remember that. It was, it was brutal, but 
No, I, I, I love it there. Obviously, I go back every year now, so yeah. it brings back good memories. Well, I've had to give you the winner's interview and, and uh, Richie Mack there, and I started singing, I got told off. So I, uh, I, I've i had to play it pretty cool <laughs> since. <laughs> were, you, were you singing for Jordans? Is that why you got told off? Uh, I, I don't know which one it was, but it just all of a sudden Eminem came to mind, lose yourself in the music the moment you want it, don't you ever let it go. You only get one shot, do not miss your chance to blow this opportunity comes once in a lifetime. And I, I just did it straight on the Mac. mic. Oh, I think that might have been Richie's. Was it? I think, I, I, I think I remember watching it and uh, and, and that popping up. <laughs> oh mate, I couldn't help myself. Just couldn't help myself. I don't know what it was, but there we go. Obviously, you had plenty of winning moments, and you'd got over the line at the levels leading up to that a lot previously. You know, you were a serial winner at whatever level. You mm-hmm. How much did that, and also that experience at the SA Open, playing in the final group alongside McElroy and Storm? help in that moment especially going into a playoff which is even more pressure packed than getting it done in 72 holes really yeah obviously up to that point I hadn't won on European tour hadn't won that year so again it was it was brand new but obviously I'd, I went back on the experience of the challenge tour in and South Africa being in the final group and and being in contention even leading so it was um I, I even surprised myself how sort of well I handled all, all those situations um, and obviously coming up each year um, one year after the other obviously it all happened quite quickly so again I didn't have any bad experiences or, or mental scars or anything to think about so it was just all, all new and you know um, it was just a new experience for me so nothing really bothered me too too much um, and it just yeah worked out worked out for, for the good. Mm-hmm. What was the reaction of your friends and family as well to that first European tour win? Because obviously they'd all been there right by your side as you had worked your way up through the levels. I'd just say starting off staying in travel lodges and premier inns and bunkers yeah. at Europro events. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't actually have anyone there that week. Um, but I, I, I remember um, we obviously finished, obviously got presented by the trophy and when it did all the interviews and everything. And then me and my caddy were meant to obviously check out that night and fly home so we had to change flights and we ended up getting another room at the hotel but we had to share because it was the only room I had left and I remember we just literally got back to the room and we just got on the bed and they and we had quite a few like beers aside for us and we literally just led there and we like nearly just like fell asleep because we were so tired from that week and it was so mentally draining I think we had like one or two beers and just sat in the room just like in silence <laughs> Yeah, okay. It was, we, we were like, right, we're going to go celebrate and all this, and it was going to be mental. And it was just, yeah, we just sat there, and I think we got room service, had two beers, and then went to sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. You went wire to wire, that's it. You know, that is draining. Yeah. No, honestly, I can't, I can't tell you how, how tired I was after It was just a relief just to get back and just lie down and reflect on things. I, I think we literally sat there probably for a good hour in dead silence, just, just smiling to ourselves. <laughs> I mean, there's more more trophies on the horizon, that's for sure, Jordan. But uh, when you look at uh, when you look at, I mean, that trophy, Porsche European Uber. I mean, what a trophy that is, and it weighs a yeah. ton, doesn't it? I mean, the the names on it. Oh my god! It was so heavy, so heavy. It, it must have been like 30, 40 kilograms. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, honestly, I was watching you hold it. I was like. Mate, you can't stay there. I thought I better keep this. I better keep this interview <laughs> short and sweet. He's going to fold in a minute. But yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't even realise the names on the trophy until 
obviously I got presented it and, 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 and had a look at the names, but some of them on there are just phenomenal. So yeah, obviously it's great to give us a win few. That. Who was on it? Go on. I know a few. Go on. <laughs> um, I've got to think now. I, can't, I, I don't think I can remember. Was, was Nick Fowler on one? Oh yeah, he was on there. Langer. Yeah, you, you'd say yeah. The, you name him. They're on there, mate. I, I, I was going to say Faldo and, and Langer, yeah. So obviously it's great to be, uh, be, be in the same sort of uh, category as those guys and winning that tournament. Yeah, classic, man. Classic. That win and obviously the stellar form after that as well got you into your first major. You went over yeah. to the USPGA at the end of that year. You ended up finishing ninth, which was definitely top Brit. And I think you might even have been top European as well. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was, I was definitely top Brit, I think. Yeah. I mean, for that to be your debut major experience, mm. you hadn't played a huge amount in the States up till then, a little bit as an amateur and the Walker Cup was over there. But what was that like, your first experience of a major tournament and to play well, so well? Yeah, I think that was only, I think that was only two or three, three weeks after Porsche. Um, yeah. So again, it was all, all a new new experience for me, new new um, new chapter. So obviously, it was yeah, it was the first major, and we got there, and I think I was like a rabbit in the headlights, seeing all, all the all the guys on the range, and um, I through, through a friend friend of mine, I got in contact with Rory's um, caddy, um, Harry Diamond. I was just like, any chance I could sort of go out and play a practice round with Rory, and he was like, yeah, no problem. So me, Tyrrell, and Rory ended up playing nine holes together, which was obviously incredible obviously I played Rory later earlier that year and I was playing really good and we ended up um, having a little game so we got down to last and we were like right down the last we'll put I think it was like $100 on it just this last hole and winner takes all and I think I'd, I'd like flush one down the middle flushed it on there to about 15 foot and Rory was all over the shop got it onto the green about 30 40 foot away and sunk it for a four and I was like no, and then, I, and then I and then I missed my putt, and I was like, no, I could have got a hundred dollar bill off of Rory, and I was like, I was so going to get him to sign it so I could frame it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I was so distraught, but no, it was, it was just awesome just getting to to chat with him on nine holes and outside of sort of competition golf, and um, yeah, no, it was it, again one hell of a week. Um, yeah, just the, the the crowds there, and obviously it was at Quail, so it was an incredible course and. Yeah, I'll never, never forget that, for sure. Uh, golf course, he's absolutely ripped to shreds as well in the past. Holy moly. Yeah. I know, it's got some, got some great holes. Great holes. Yeah, I wanted to ask you as well, obviously, your career has just been a massive upward trajectory. You mm. got that first win in 2017. Obviously, you're talked about in terms of a potential Ryder Cup. You've established yourself in a major then 2018 and 2019, and obviously mm-hmm. 2019 last year was a little bit different. You haven't quite got that second win. You've had good performances. You've, you've finished top three. Mm-hmm. But for the first time, you almost plateau a little bit in terms of your achievements. Obviously, you yeah. still feel the game is, is progressing, but the results for the first time have probably plateaued. How do you approach that psychologically? Because that's probably the first time in your entire golfing life you experience that. Definitely. Obviously, with that upward trend, there's always going to be a slight plateau or a slight downfall with, with that. You're not going to continue that progression that, that I was on. So, um, yeah, I think, um, I think yeah, last year it was just, I, I changed manufacture, which I think's 
been been great obviously the last couple of years um the Cali guys have been awesome um but I think there's a, been, been a slight dip in sort of my confidence um which I think happens to all, all yeah. the guys and obviously if you come out come out the other end of it then you've got those not scars but you've got those uh things in your head that have made you stronger and you can come back from that and so I'm definitely looking forward to, to this year even though it's obviously a COVID year still but um once things get back to normality, then looking forward to getting out there and, and competing again. Because I think for for a lot of guys, the last year or two has definitely had a big big effect on them with not being able to socialise, not being able to get out, out the hotels. And so, um, yeah, it, it, there's been a slight dip in, in confidence and performance, but obviously there's always it's always going to come back up. So, yeah, look, looking forward to, to what, what comes. You see him from your namesake at the moment, old uh, Jordan Spieth, isn't he? He's, uh, exactly. he's coming back now into the fold and he's been down in the doldrums and Francisco Molinari, you know, another guy who's gone from peak of the tree to, mm-hmm. you know, to the roots and he's, he's finding his way back again. So like you say, mate, you only get stronger through going through that, you know, and it's a hard slog and it's a mental slog and it, it really gets you down, but you just yeah. know the benefits of being around a good bunch of people like you are, you know, just brings you through it as well. And just keeping optimistic mm. and positive is the way forward. So, yeah, mate, you're doing it right and you'll be all right. Don't you worry about it. Exactly, yeah. I, I, I learned a lot from from last year. Obviously, they cancelled a lot of events. I tried to cram in as many as I could. And I think I played, might have been eight, eight or nine in a row and got to Valderrama. And you guys might know, but I, I walked in after, after the first, well, midway through the first round. So I just... Yeah, obviously, you don't you don't want to be at Valderrama yeah. when you're so mentally drained because it you need yeah. to be on 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 the money there and yeah I think it was it was howling and I was getting battered and mentally I was just like I can't, I can't do this I had enough so mm-hmm. unfortunately I didn't want to I tried to stay out there as long as I could but just walked off and I said I, I need to go home and t- take a week off so yeah, yeah I mean that's healthy it, man. Those, those I mean, things I, happen. I, yeah. yeah, they do, mate. I was looking at Keimer and you look at Francisco. I'm pointing out them two because when the chips are down or, well, they, their chips weren't down, but they, you know, they decided to change their swing. And like Thomas Bjorn said to you, don't change anything, sunshine. Yeah. You know, you're awesome, you know, and they went and changed it and then they fall by the wayside. Now they're kind of like going back to their roots and they're finding it again. I mean, you know, was that kind of dangling your carrot at that time? Were you thinking I need a change of direction or were you just saying, no, I'm sticking to my guns? No, I play, I think I, I I stuck to my guns. I was getting um, I, I was trying I was trying to work hard on on, on the putting in my short game, um, and yeah, I put put a lot a lot of time into it. But it just I I never really I'd, I'd say the, the the stroke progressed, but it's all about confidence with the putting. I think once yeah. you see the ball going into the hole, then you just don't think about it. it all flows, and it's it's even like you start around, you miss a couple of short ones, you, you straight away you're like, oh, it must be my stroke or I must be doing this must be doing that so um yeah I, th- I think from that I put a bit of pressure on myself to get my putting sort of sorted and I miss- if I missed a few short ones I'd get quite hard on myself but it's, it's all learning curve and like like we said you always come back stronger from 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 those those sort of thoughts you hear man yeah, yeah. It, it always fascinates me how much the personal side and what's going on in the mm. personal life and just away from the golf course can affect golfers because you know as fans we watch on and you're all superstar athletes. We just see you in the golf bubble. We often mm. don't appreciate all the other pressures that are going on. You mentioned, obviously, and everyone that we've spoken to who, who's a golf pro or, and is out on tour covering it as a pundit, like John does as well. 
the strains of being in that bubble and not having the social downtime and yeah so you played eight weeks in a row in that environment that's mm. to take its toll how much is that underappreciated you think and how much is it important for you to just make sure you're happy and balanced away from the course so you can actually do what you do best on it yeah no i, th- I think that sort of being happy off the course is, is a massive massive part of, of playing good um i think there's, there's a lot of guys that have that took a lot of time off last year because they just didn't fit in or didn't suit the bubble life um and it, it, it was it was difficult for a lot of players because obviously you're you're not allowed to do what you want to do. You're not allowed to go out and have a dinner with your manager or your coach and your trainer and your friends and stuff like that. You have to be in the hotel and even just a table of two or even sometimes it was just back in your room with with a delivery or, or just eat just by yourself. So um, and I'm watching Netflix and getting bored of that. So um, sometimes you just needed to get out out the room, just sit in the lobby for couple hours just find a few friends and, and chat to them so I think a lot of guys struggled with that um but yeah that that off course stuff is massive I remember um I think it might have been my first year on tour actually it might have been Kranz it was I, I just had a terrible week a terrible week so got off the plane someone picked up my bag because we had the same suitcase and then so that was a nightmare to start with got onto the train which was like a two and a half hour drive um train arrived sorry and got to the end and I was like in a bit of a rush and I left my passport and my wallet on the chair oh. got off got up to the golf course I realized and I was like oh my god what have I done and then just had a terrible week missed a cut and just well, I was like just get me out of here I was like this has just been a terrible week so those those sort of little things do have a big knock-on effect so um yeah the off the off course stuff can be can be massive you're a pretty emotional guy, John. Was there a correlation for you between happiness and contentedness off the golf course and your performances on it? Yeah, I mean, when the chips are down, and I think, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes you get caught up in the whole kind of uh, keeping your card. I know I did, and you know, then all of a sudden you're you're up and down like a yo-yo. One minute. You're flying the time that you don't think about keeping your card or keeping your job or money in the bank and stuff like that. You find, you know, you're on easy street and you can actually perform quite, quite nicely and comfortably. Um, I mean, I was a social butterfly in the sense of I love to chat on the way around a golf course. I was probably like your, your English Lee Trevino, probably too much, you know, in the sense you couldn't shut me up. Um, you know, there's a few guys would just say, John, crikey, come on, man, concentrate on a round of golf. But I couldn't, you know, I also, I was also starstruck all the time because everything happened so quick. I was so starstruck mm. all of a sudden playing, playing with people that I, I never got, never dreamed I would actually get to play with. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm alongside and I'm, I'm going hell for leather against them. And I absolutely loved it. I, um, but also just didn't really happen for me, you know, for that reason alone, I think I didn't, uh, give myself enough respect, you know, in that, in that sense or enough, you know, more of a pat on the back, but it's not easy. It's not easy. And it's something that you've got, you know, time's a great thing for that. I wish I had a bit more time. I think I'd have done better for it, but, um, I think Jordan's had to come through the hard way and he's going to be super strong for it. He's going to be like Superman. So, you know, it's, um, I just find it find it really bizarre for me anyway, you know, and I, I think I was in awe of too many people, you know, give them the respect, but I was just, yeah, I just just sat back and going, oh my God, I'm playing with so-and-so and so-and-so, oh my God, mm. look at that shot, 
wow. And I'm thinking, yeah, and my caddy's like going to me, John, you do that. I'm like, yeah, yeah but this is so-and-so. I'm like, yeah. all right, yeah, yeah. And it, you do, you do, you, get, you do get caught up in it. You know, I was definitely starstruck massively. Jordan, looking ahead to this year, obviously, it's a really exciting schedule that the Europeans mm. together, lots going on. Are you a goal setter or do you just kind of go with the flow a little bit? I, I, I used to be. Um, I, I would say I've, st- I've still set myself a few few goals, but they're not too. I'm not too worried about them. They're they're there in the background, but I, I I did used to set myself goals, but they used to be a bit too unrealistic. I like to set a few goals that are sort of realistic, a bit out there, and maybe one or two that I, I could reach, but it's quite a quite a tall ask. So um, yeah, no, this this year's exciting. It's nice to have. A fair few events back in the UK. Um, yeah. It's just a shame that we're probably not going to have spectators there. But you, you never know with the whole um, the whole lockdown stuff being eased. So um, I mean, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to have sort of four or five weeks back to back in in the UK with tens of hundreds of thousands of people there. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, you're a momentum guy like me, though, Jordan. Like once once the crowd's on your side and you start holding a few putts, you want to hold a little more, and it gets I- you going. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely be believe, believe in that. Yeah, for sure. I think um, a few a few guys sort of struggle with nobody being there. It's sort of just you you you, you struggle to get yourself up and sort of get yeah. yourself pumped because sometimes you like you sort of go out there and even if you're in the final few groups, there's no one there. There might be a couple of cameramen, but it's a bit a bit strange. But um, no, it'd be great to have hundreds of thousands of people back there, sort of cheering you on and and playing uh, playing in front of them and stuff. So, yeah, it'd be great. It's like when you see Rory, he's such a crowd pleaser, and he just he's dying for a little more people to be there or thereabouts, you know, to cheer him on because he just wants to go bananas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, was, it was like um like at Wentworth last year. Um, mm. I, I had that hole in one of the second. Yeah. I, I didn't know it gone in. Yeah. He, he, I just didn't hear anything, so I was like, "Well, has it gone in? Has it not?" And then, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, your your face your face on that was magical. It was that's, like, that's why it was so delayed. <laughs> <laughs> like just completely in shock, mate. It was so good. <laughs> you can't do the like super reactionary sort of big celebration. It looks a bit like a bit strange. <laughs> Time has passed. You're like, oh, I'm thinking about it. What do I do now? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, it was. It was just. Yeah. It was because I didn't hear anything. The the light was a bit weird. So I was like, has it? Has it not? And then you don't hear anything. And then the guy on the camera was like, yeah, it's gone in. So I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> as you were on the side of caution that way than sell yeah. like a mentalist and get down there and it's actually just flown through the green or something yeah or, or, or come up like 40 short <laughs> oh man uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, home life to an extent but not entirely home life cats now you have got you, you and your uh, mm-hmm. fiance wife yeah. friend I don't know uh, fiance you and your other half. Congratulations. I've got two cats that look yeah. awesome. They're like mini little leopards. Yeah, they're, they're Bengals. They're incredible. You hang around a lot with Eddie Pepper and stuff as well. He's a yeah. big dog guy. There are a lot of dog people on tour. He is, yeah. Like, tell us a bit about the cats and what? any the dog-cat rivalries with, with Eddie Pepper or any of the other guys. I I was a massive dog person. I I, I never had dogs, but I just loved dogs. Um, and then obviously my Ellie and she's turned me into a bit sort of cat crazy at the moment so no, they're great they they love the uh the new house they can run about and we've got them a little 
because because we're not letting them out um because the the vet was like don't let them out because people might nick them because they're quite striking and, and stuff like that so we've got them a little sort of play area outside which is all boxed off and they they love it out there and and yeah they're they're, they're, they're great they can be a handful at times um but no they're, they're great I was, I was trying to see if one was around that would have been class don't worry man don't worry what, what breed are they uh so they're bengals Bengals. Bengals. Yeah. Not bagels. So they're the most sort of dog-like cats. So they, they come and greet us at the front door. We play fetch with them. And yeah, they're, they're the most like dog-like. Oh, you could be onto something there. My girlfriend, like we're thinking about getting a puppy or a dog. Mm. I love both cats and dogs. So I want to get a, like one of each, essentially. Yeah. And have that weird little interspecies friendship going on. <laughs> I, I think they say if, if you want to have a dog with a Bengal, you should um, sort of get them at the same time when they're, when they're puppies and kittens. There we go. We've got one now. Excellent. We've got oh. a Bengal appearance. There we go. Hey. Hey. Oh, wow. Look at him, <laughs> so cool. So this, this is the boy. This is Cubby. Cubby. Oh. Is it a boy and a girl? Yeah, they're brother and sister. Nice. Oh, oh man. He's loving it. Oh, that's awesome! Thanks, Cause, Jordan. Because we were we were only going to get the one, so we were only going to get uh, Cubby, the boy. But when we went and visited them when they were kittens, they, the, the the brother and the sister were always playing together. So we were like, well, we can't can't spit them up. So and I'm getting two. <laughs> oh mate, I, I I think it's a wonder having pets. I really do. I mean, it's, I know it's not for everyone. I mean, I had a dog and four cats, and mm. I had two dogs. Um, unfortunately, one just passed away. Unfortunately, oh, oh, was boy, fifteen years old, Ozzy after Ozzy Osbourne. And now oh, we're man. left with Dylan after Bob Dylan, so he's uh, <laughs> yeah he's, he's he's rocking and rolling on his own now. So he's um but yeah he's they're lovely pets and, and in these in these hard times as well they're, uh, they're yeah. a massive massive thing to have aren't they? Yeah, it's great for um for Ellie to have that sort of bit of company when I'm when I'm away as well. So it's um it suits suits all sort of um everything. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Man. Have you managed to persuade Eddie to to consider a cat? You've gone from dog nah. to cat. That's that's too far fetched. No, he's 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 well into his um his business, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he loves them, man. I was going to ask you what's some funny tales, mate, on tour. You, Eddie, and the boys. Any tricks on the golf course you played on them, or in their lockers, or stuff like that? Because I I remember we used to do a lot with the locker rooms on the PJ tour. I don't think that happens a lot now because obviously there there is a bit of a um a thing with people tampering with people's clubs. Oh, I heard about but that. Yeah, I don't think that goes on anymore. I think that's quite old school now. Oh, oh! I'm glad I was part of the old school man. <laughs> it's just it's Benson and Poulter that are just at war, isn't it? Yeah, on their socials and doing their tricks to each other. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna, away with it. That's seriously going to get out of hand. That is seriously going to get out of hand. That's going to go crazy. We've always seen the, the recent one with uh, Polter sort of wrapping um, oh. Stenson's car, haven't you? And spray painting his wheels pink and, and all that. Oh, You'd love mate. that though, John. Uh, right colour. I would love that, really. You yeah. think I'm a pink man? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the man who's, who loves his pink. Okay, Alexander. <laughs> Bit of colour, a splash of colour here and there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mate, yeah. Totally. I haven't dyed my beard or anything like you did early in lockdown, but yeah, I haven't gone yeah, that far. Uh, yeah. Who are your favourite people to sort of hang around with on tour then, Jordan? Obviously, you've got a pretty good group with Eddie and Ray and stuff. Um, you've mentioned Thomas Bjorn's giving you some great advice. 
who have you been fortunate to sort of bend the ear of over the last few years? Um, I, th- I think the main the main sort of guys that I hang out with is obviously Eddie, Laurie, Steve Brown, and sort of a lot of time with Callum Shinkman as well. So um, we've all sort of, we, we knew each other sort of going up the stages. And um, I think a few of us use the same coaches and fitness coaches. guys. So, so we see each other a lot. And obviously we're all, we're all pretty local now. So we all sort of try and play as much as we can. Um, Thinking about ear bending, you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, that that conversation with Thomas was was pretty scary because that was the first time I've been with him, sort of one to one, and you hear all the stories about him, and he's quite a uh, intimidating person, but he's he's soft as butter. They want to get to know him. Yeah, that he is. That he is, man. We've been lucky. We've had him on the podcast. He's a legend, man. He's I was going to say you don't want to get the wrong side of him, though. No, no, I, that's why I give him a crate of old proper drop cider. He loves yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, keep him really good book. Yes. Is there anyone else that surprised you? Because obviously everyone, all the players have their reputations. Even as a player yourself, you, you hear about it. Is there anyone that once you met them in person, you were surprised at what their character was like? I mean, Rory definitely surprised me when I played with him. He was just, obviously he's like this superstar and I was in awe of him and one of the best players in the world and you think oh, he's going to be, he's not going to talk to you. He's going to just get on with it. But he was just like a, like a normal, normal guy. And it was, it was great. And sort of every time I see him now, he always sort of says hello. And um, like I played with Matt Kuchar one year and I think literally like a year later, I walked past him. I was expecting him just to like blank me. So I was just like sort of looking at him and he was like, Oh, Hey George, Hey, how are you? And I was just like, shit, he actually remembers who I am. I was like, yeah, that's brilliant. And then um, oh. he, he was at Phil Mickelson. So last, I think it was, no, year before last in Saudi, obviously he was doing that coffee blend thing when he was just drinking coffee and losing loads of weight. And I was, I was quite interested. I, I, I was going to do it myself, which I did. And I saw him in the players' lounge and he was just walking past. I was like, hey, Phil, can I just talk to you for like five minutes about your coffee blend thing? And he was... He was brilliant. He was so enthusiastic. He like he chatted to me for a good sort of fifteen twenty minutes, went for everything, and it was it was brilliant. And then I think a couple of days later, someone the putting green. He was I was walking off to one of the tees, and he was like, "Hey, George, good luck today, play well." And all that. I was just like, "Shit, he remembers." I was like, "That's brilliant." <laughs> oh man, I me- I remember we were at a golf tournament, the '84 Lumber Classic, and um, over in America. And- obviously being an M you know my locker was pretty close to his and I'd missed the cut and he'd made the cut and I was going down to clear my locker out and I can't tell you what was written on my t-shirt um, <laughs> but it was there was a massive rain delay going on he's looked at my t-shirt and he burst out laughing completely in hysterical he said you've got to come with me John so he's like <laughs> grabbed, he nearly grabbed me by the hand and marched me into the players and I just said hey boys and they're all there you name you name them they're all there because uh, it's obviously peeing down with rain outside, and uh, I just stood there like a prize prune with this saying across my chest, and um, just the laughter—it was like a cinema of laughter just straight at me. And I just went, <laughs> "Cheers, Phil! Thanks a lot." And he said, "No worries. Give me a pat on the back. He said, good team player." And I, I <laughs> went, but he, he's a good guy, isn't he? He's a good guy. Yeah, no, he's 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 one of the nicest guys. Same same with Kucha, like he was he was yeah. just brilliant. Such a nice guy. Yeah, here, here. Awesome. Was, was that was that the same week you had the um, the the car race with Tiger? No, that was um, that was uh, I think the year year before was the race with Tiger. Um, 
the 84 lumber had lions on the golf course, which was pretty intense. And I did a mm. Hummer course. So we were on a Hummer and we got, we had like three cars we could use. I don't know why I got given a special treatment that week, but I, I did. And um, yeah, I was able to just have a really nice time. I think we, <laughs> I, I got up on stage with, um, I got up on stage and uh, sung with Hootie and a Blowfish with, um, with John Daly on lead guitar singing Knocking on Evans Door and me, Pat Perez on tambourines. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I, it was, uh, you know, in front of all the players, it was just magnificent. Um, yeah. That's so surreal. Oh, so mate, surreal. it was, mate. And talk about, yeah, peeing a pod. I was just, yeah, I was like looking at it and I thinking the next day going, did that really happen? Like like I said, I, I got pretty starstruck, but, you know, they, yeah. they, made me, they made me feel really welcome and put an arm around me. It's a good job I didn't get you to sing, though. Well, well that's true, man. I could sing, <laughs> you know, I could sing. Uh, I got a brand new combine harvester, and that's very <laughs> good. Yeah. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but sort of social media wasn't really around in the same way when you were on tour, or that oh. on sort of first reaction was to reach wow. for the the video camera on their phone. On the one hand. I'd love to have seen video oh, of what you got up to on tour. On the other hand... Probably a few, uh, few lawsuits, wouldn't there? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you, you'd open yourself up for all kinds of fines and lawsuits and stuff. It's probably better that it's it's just... For, for, people that, for people that don't watch this video, I'm nodding my head. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Jordan, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch no, you. thank you. I know, Jordan, I've followed your career really closely uh, since yeah. the Euro Pro days. You've done so well. It's such a pleasure yeah, thanks. Um, to see you. Thanks for coming on, bud. Um, it's been great to catch up. Uh, thanks to John as well. Thanks to everyone for listening, as always. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, at Filthy Lipout. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, please great give name. it a like, a share. Five-star ratings are all welcome and reviews. That's it for this week. We will catch you again next time.